thank you, God, for being so good to us, for loving us so much, for caring about us so much. More than we could even imagine. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Where would we be without you? We stand in awe of you, Father. We stand in awe of you. Thank you, Lord. Well, you can be seated. Thank you, praise and worship team. So, I hope that you all enjoyed your summer because it's almost over. Hopefully we'll have some nice weather come September, but that's not guaranteed. We all thought that that was going to happen last year, and it didn't, so, so we're just going to all pray and intercede for warm September, October, November, December, January. <laughs> I, um, I was away last weekend. Um, my husband, Jared, had an art show in Waskasoo, so we went away for the weekend, and it was... It was wonderful to get away, but man, was it cold. It was so cold. I, was, I went for a walk on Sunday morning, and I walked by the lake. And it was awesome because I could, I could stay connected. I was watching you all on uh, Facebook Live, so I was walking. But it was 9 degrees, and it was sleeting. It was so cold that I couldn't believe that in August this is what it was. But actually, funny thing is, is uh, we were celebrating our 19th anniversary that weekend, and... Um, when Jarrett and I, our honeymoon was in Waskasu. And uh, we, same thing, we booked uh, at the Hallwood 19 years ago. So we booked at the Hallwood, we went to Waskasu, we stayed overnight. The next day we woke up, it was cold. It was so cold in Waskasu, we canceled the next day's reservation and we went to Saskatoon. So 19 years later, we decided we're going to go to Waskasu and it was cold. Go figure. So uh, I'm going to speak a little bit different today. Um, that I was talking with the Holy Spirit and, and he just said I, I was trying to get ready, get my notes ready and stuff and the Holy Spirit said to me, I don't want you to use notes. I don't want you to use notes today, I just want you to speak from your heart. And um, where did Logan go? What? You and me are a team. We work together. It's a two for one. <laughs> um... What was I talking about? Oh, the Holy Spirit was saying to me, I don't want you to use notes. And that's really hard on me because I like notes. I like paper. I like lists. I like all the things. And so he said, no, I just want you to talk from your heart. So that's what I'm going to do this morning is just talk to you from my heart and uh, what, what the Holy Spirit's been showing me. So I'm going to read Exodus 3. But before I do that, I'm going to give us a little bit of a background on what's going on in Exodus. It's the story of... Uh, well, it's the story of the Israelites, but um, also Moses. And at that time, um, the Israelites were becoming a strong, massive, large group of people. There were, they were growing large, and the Egyptians were worried about the Israelites. They were like, these people are getting you know, too big, too strong, so they wanted to do something about it. So Pharaoh... Uh, over the Egyptians, Pharaoh puts out a decree and says, if there are any baby boys that are born, kill them. If the baby girls are born, you can keep them. But if there are baby boys born, do away with them, kill them, throw them in the river. 
And so that's what began to happen. And so uh, Moses' parents conceived Moses. They gave birth to Moses. And uh, Moses was a Israelite, supposed to be killed. But the Bible says that they looked at Moses, his parents looked at Moses, and they were like, this is a really good-looking child. That's what it says. It's a great-looking child. We shouldn't kill him. Like every parent ever, right? Every parent thinks their kid's the best-looking kid, like this kid's good-looking. Uh, so so they, they, they decide that they're going to hide him. So his mother hides him for three months, and then she decides she's going to put him in a basket and send him on the river. Or send him, yeah, send him in the river and uh, hope for the best. So she puts him in a basket, sends him, sends him down the river and uh, sends Moses' sister Miriam to watch over Moses. And there are um, some Egyptians, they're in the river and they see uh, a basket coming along towards them. So they, the, it was the um, Pharaoh's daughter. She gets the basket, she opens it up, she looks. And it's a baby in it. She says, oh, this is one of the Hebrew babies, one of the Israelite babies. And so she decides she's going to keep it. Miriam, the sister, says, oh, would you like a nurse for the baby? You know, somebody to nurse him until he's weaned. And, and uh, Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, do that. So Miriam goes and gets her mother, Moses' mom. And uh, Moses' mom comes and gets paid, good, good deal, gets paid for taking care of her baby. And so uh, she nurses him, and then he gets weaned. He's about two years old, I think. And, and then he moves into, they name him Moses. The Pharaoh's daughter names him Moses. They move into the palace. And now he's royalty. He's living like an Egyptian. He's been adopted. And that's kind of what continues until years, years later, he's grown up, and he's walking around the town. And he sees an Egyptian beating on an Israelite, beating him. And the Bible says he has compassion on him. Like, I don't like what's going on here. So Moses kills the Egyptian. No big deal, right? Kills him, buries him, hopes that nobody sees. Next day, he gets up, he sees two Israelites fighting. He goes up to the Israelites and he's like, guys, you're friends, why are you fighting? Let's not do this. And the one Israelite turns to him and says, why will you kill us like you killed the guy yesterday? Like, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Like, I saw you. And Moses says, oh no. Oh no, they know. Someone knows. So he goes running to the hills, uh, running for his life. Pharaoh finds out there is a manhunt for him. But Moses hides. Long, longer story short, um, Moses um, finds a shepherd and helps the shepherd out, starts taking care of sheep, uh, marries um, marries the shepherd's daughter, and so now Moses is a shepherd, married, taking care of sheep, 40 years. 40 years living away from where he was born, living in the hills, and this is where we start. Now I'm going to read all of Exodus. All of Exodus 3, you can follow along with me, and then we'll go back and revisit it. So Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was on fire, yet it was not consumed. 
So Moses said, I must turn away from the flock and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned away from the flock to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And God said, don't come near. Take your sandals off your feet out of respect because the place on which you were standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have in fact seen the affliction, suffering, desolation of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, oppressors, for I know their pain and suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land, from that land, to a land that is good and spacious, to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Pezzerite, the Perserite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. Therefore come now, and I will send you Pharaoh, and then bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve and worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, behold, when I come to the Israelites and say to him, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, you shall say this to the Israelites, I am have sent me to you. Then God also said to Moses, this is what you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. Go gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the suffering and oppression of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Prezerite, the Hivite and the Jebusite to a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of the tribe will listen and pay attention to what you say. And you with the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrew, Hebrews has met with us. So now please we ask and plead with you, let us go a three day journey into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless he is forced by a strong hand. So I will reach out my hand and strike Egypt with all of my wonders and I shall do in the midst of it and after that, he will let you go. And I will grant this people favor and respect in the sight of the Egyptians. Therefore, it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty handed, but every woman shall insistently ask her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and daughters in this way. You are to plunder the Egyptians, leaving bondage with great possessions that are rightfully yours. Let's just pray for a moment.
Father, we just want your will to be done in this place. We want to be changed from glory to glory. And, and, and you know us and you know what needs to be said. And Father, you have a word in season for us. And so we look to you. And Father, I just say you use me however you want to use me. You use me however you want to use me. I thank you for your gracing and I thank you for your anointing. And that Holy Spirit, you're moving throughout this place, speaking to every heart, illuminating things that revelation rises up. We're changed in an instant. I just thank you for your peace and for your rest and for your joy in this place. Amen. Amen. So I want to start at, this is crazy, you guys, I'm like 21st century preacher here. <laughs> First time ever. I'm nervous about it. No. Um, Exodus 3. So I, I want to start in verse, in verse 3 when he's up on the mountain and there are, there's a burning bush that's not ending. This, you need to know, is a normal thing. In, there would be bushes that because of the heat and whatnot, the bushes would start on fire and then they would go out. So this is a normal thing. But this particular time isn't normal because the bush is not going out. And so it says, so Moses said, I must turn away from the flock. Moses is watch, washing, watching sheep. And he says to himself, I must turn away from the flock and see this great sight, why the bush has not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned away from the flock to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And so when I was reading this, when I was studying this, this part of the verse, it jumped out at me. Like it jumped out in my spirit. And I was like, God, what are you trying to show me? What is it? And I want you to note that in verse 3, Moses says to himself, he is looking at the sheep, taking care of the flock. And he says to himself, I must turn away and see what's going on. I must turn away and see what's going on. And so I began to talk to God about it. I began to kind of mull it around. And God said to me, there are so many people that get caught up in the busyness of life. They get caught up doing the things, doing good things, taking care of their family, taking care of their kids, doing their job, uh, running their businesses, uh, cultivating relationships, doing all the church stuff. They're just doing the stuff. But they don't take the time to turn away and look and see me. I want you to notice that in verse four, uh, God says, or the Bible says, and when God saw that Moses turned away, he spoke to him. And when God saw that Moses had turned away, he began to speak. You know, Jesus, he, on a regular basis, he got away with the Father. Jesus was busy, guys. Jesus was doing all the things. He wasn't doing bad things. He wasn't sinning. He was doing good things. He was about his Father's business. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was casting out demons. He was, he was discipling people. 
He was doing all the things, but the Bible says that he would get away with his father. He would turn away from the good things. And here's the thing that God began to talk to me about is that we get so busy thinking we're doing the good things that we don't turn away from what's going on to spend time with the father, to look and see what it is that he would have to say to us. Jesus said when he was in the wilderness and he was talking to the enemy, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father's mouth. He wasn't just talking about the Bible. He was talking about getting a word from the Father. You know, God constantly reminds me on a regular basis that you, you, you have many gifts and talents. I've given you many gifts and talents, Megan, and that will take you so far. But if you don't have intimacy, it will not sustain you. It will not take you where you're supposed to go and it will not sustain you. You must turn away. It's so easy to get caught up. God, I'm doing things for you. God, these are your children. Shouldn't I be raising them the way that you want? Those are all good things. Yes, do a good job raising your children. Yes, have a good marriage. Do those, those are important and they're important to God. But none of it will work without the intimacy from the Father. Not to the capacity that you want it. It's turn away and be with the Father. I, I heard this speaker say, um, and, I, and I loved it so much. He said he was from Russia. And I mean, that they, these were people of prayer. They, you know, they saw God move and, and they would pray and the church would, you know, sometimes go into prayer for days on end. And, and so he moved to America and he uh, would um, pray two to four hours a day. Like, I'm not there. <laughs> two to four hours a day, every single day, pray. Because he knew the importance of prayer. And prayer is important. I'm not saying it's not important. It's important. But he went in and he went to go speak with God. And he just like, God, I think that we should end this. I, I walk away every day. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm frustrated with just coming in and praying and, and, and saying all this. I'm frustrated with this. And I'm sure, God, you're frustrated too because you know that I'm just doing it. And he said this, and he said it's what changed his life was God said to him, you know, you say all the time how much you want my presence and how much you love my presence. And people say that all the time. And the guy went on to say, I'm not sure if they actually mean it. But he said, God said, have you ever stopped to think about the fact that I love your presence? That I want your presence. That you coming and sitting with me means everything to me. What if it was about how much I loved your presence instead of something you have to do? I know I've said it many times before, but, but intimacy with the Father isn't just praying and, and, and taking your prayers that avail much book and reading through it and, and declaring things and, and declaring all the promises and all the words spoken over you and, you're, and doing all those things. Those are important, those are good, but that's not intimacy with the Father. 
if Jared and I were, if our marriage looked like this, if, if I went to him and I said, Jared, you promised that you would fix the fridge. I believe you will. Jared, you promised this. Jared, you promised that. Jared, I really need this. Jared, I need this. I need this. And then we would sit together and I would, I would remind him of our marriage vows. In sickness and in health, Jared. Tell death to us part. And if that was my communication with Jared, how would my marriage go? Yet as Christians, this is what we do. We think that this is what he wants. Are they bad things? No, they're not. They're not bad things. Those are things you should do them. Praying like that is partnering with God. It's a good thing. But it's not intimacy. It's not the same thing. Intimacy is when you go and you sit with your father and you have communion with him. You communicate with him. You just talk. You're just there. You just be. And this is what God was showing me when it says, he said, my people, they're, they're doing all the things and it's good things. But if they would turn aside, I have a word for them. In verse five, it says, then God said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet out of respect because the place on which you are standing is holy ground. I don't know if really it was just the place or it was that God was speaking. It became a holy moment. My house isn't necessarily a holy place, but there are many holy moments that happen there when God begins to speak holy moments that change everything. That when you walk into the secret place, when you set aside things, when you have those intimate moments with the Father, they become holy moments and they change everything. Verse seven, it says, the Lord says, I have in fact seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters for I know their pain and suffering. I want you to notice in this verse, he says, I have seen, I have heard, and I know. I'm God, I, I see what's going on, I can hear their cries, and I know. When he says I know, he means I understand. I completely know, I feel it, I know it, I understand what it is is going on in their life. And God would say the exact same thing to you. I know what's going on. I see you. I hear you. I know. I know your present circumstance. I know what it is that you're going through. Verse 8 says, So I have come down to rescue them from the hand, the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from the land, from that land, to a land that is good and spacious to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty. So he says, I, I'm gonna take them from the place that they're at. I've seen what they're going from. I heard what they're going through. I know what they're going for. So I am coming down to take them from that place to a place that is good, a place of healing, a place of prosperity, a place, a wide open place. 
But our Western culture, I only know Western culture because that's the only place I've ever lived. So I don't know if it's like this all over the world. I'm assuming not. But our Western culture, we look at this as Christians and we look at this and we think, okay, great. God's taking me from a bad place to a good place and not anything will ever go wrong in my life. I'll never have one circumstance, one problem. I, I'm, and so we're always waiting for that good place. When I get to that good place with no problems, with no attacks, with no circumstances. And the thing is, is the Bible says, no, you will have trials and tribulations that will come. But that doesn't mean that you're not in the good place. That doesn't mean that you're not in a land flowing with milk and honey. But as, as Christians, we get offended with God when we have to trust Him. See, we think that the land flowing with milk and honey is a place where we get to where we never have to trust in God again. But when something comes, when, when finances are bad or disappointment comes, we get mad at God that we have to trust Him. What have you done to me? No, the land flowing with milk and honey is the place where you trust in God. It's the place of complete dependence on the Father. Complete dependence on the Father. But man, guys, that looks like turning aside, doing the things, and getting away with your Father. Intimacy with the Father. So then in verse something, So Moses says, who am I? And God says, I'm going to be with you. Verse 12, and God said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve and worship God at this mountain. Moses, you shall come back to this place. This is the place, this is the mountain, this place, Moses, you come back here. This is where you will worship. That you will go out and you will come back. That you will go out and do the things and then you'll come back. And you will worship me at this mountain, at this place. That us as Christians would do the same thing. That when, when, when circumstances come, we go out. Maybe it's hard times, maybe it's bad. We go back to the place of worship. We go back to where we met with God. We go back to the secret place. We go back to the intimate place. When things are good, we go back to the mountain to worship. It's twofold, that verse. You can look at it also from, from the standpoint of, I remember one time I, um, I was in prayer with God and he showed me a vision and I was on the top of a mountain and he was standing with me and he said, he said, good job, girl, you did it. You climbed this mountain. You did it. And he said, but it's time for you to go back down because I have another mountain for you to climb. But knowing in that, as I'm climbing the next mountain, 
that I can look back at the other mountain and know that it was him that got me up that mountain. There were hard times. There were times where I wanted to give up, but every single time God was with me at that mountain and I can look back while I'm climbing a new mountain and go, I know he's faithful. I know he's good. I know he doesn't leave me. I can look back and worship God at that mountain. And for some of us, it's, it's a word that we need to hold on to. We, we think, okay, God spoke these things. I know these things. These things were supposed to happen. Go back to the word that was spoken. Moses, these are the things that are going to happen. So when hard times come, come back to this mountain. But for some of us, it's the fact that we need to go back to the mountain, the place of intimacy and live from that. You live from it. You live from that place of intimacy. You go out and you come back to the mountain. You go out and you come back. And Moses asks God, well, well who do I say that you are? Like, who do I tell? Talk to me. And God says, I am who I am. And he said, you shall say this to the Israelites. I am have sent me to you. I am who I am means I, I, I am right now. What I am, I am from the beginning. I am the end. I will be what will be. Whatever needs to happen, I will be. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. So then, God begins to tell Moses everything that's about to happen. Okay, Moses, you're going to go and you're going to talk to the elders. You're going to say this, they're going to say this, and then they're going to agree and they're going to follow you. And then he goes and then on to say, okay, and then you and the elders are going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to say this and Pharaoh is not going to listen to you. And so it's going to take a strong, it's going to take a strong arm to kind of make Pharaoh do, and that's where I'll step in. So you do you, and I'll do this, and then this is how it's gonna work. But I want you to notice in this, that not only in your present circumstance right now, does God see you, God hear you, God know exactly what's going on, but he also know what's to come. You see, in this whole text, God knew. He knows exactly what's about to be said, what's going to happen, who's going to do what. So even in the, the, the what's to come in your life, God sees, God knows, God hears. But this is why it's important to be back at the secret place, to turn aside. To, to, to turn aside from all the things going on. You have giftings, you have talents, they will not sustain you though. There is more, there is more God wants to say to you. And it says, Moses is when he turned. When God saw that Moses turned, he spoke. God showed me when, when I was reading this, I, I read it. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but I read it in verse four, when God says, God sees that, that Moses had turned, it says, God called to him from the midst of the bush, and I read it like, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And God said, no, no, it wasn't like that. 
It was, Moses, Moses, like you're here. You're looking, you wanna talk, Moses. This is how God feels about us, guys. He is not like, you know, Adam. Sit. Uh, that's my man voice, I know. I can't even go lower if I try. Adam. <laughs> He's a dad. Megan, Megan, you're here, come sit. Let's talk. This is a loving father. Come, guys, he's just inviting us. This is, this, is, this is what's on my heart. He's just inviting us, come back. Come turn away from the things. Life is busy, it will always be busy. You don't have enough time not to spend with him. Does that make sense? <laughs> you need it. You need it. So God sees, hears, knows. He knows your present circumstance and he knows what's to come. He knows everything that's about to happen. So we spend time with him. And so then at the end, I just want to read the last verse. But I've been looking at the lights too much and now I can't see. <laughs> Verse 22, but every woman shall insistently ask her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and daughters. In this way, you are to plunder the Egyptians, leaving bondage with great possessions that are rightfully yours. Leaving bondage with great possessions that are rightfully yours. And I just really believe that in, in this place, there are many of us that are in bondage or have been in bondage and we're just carrying things, just carrying the weights of things and, and, and carrying addictions and, and, and carrying um, relationship issues and, and just carrying the weight of these things. And God says, I see, I hear, and I know. And I know exactly what you need. I know exactly what's to come. Come and sit. Come and sit with me. Come to the mountain. Come and turn away and get a word from me. I got a word from you. So many times we think, oh, we gotta, we gotta clean up our lives. We gotta, we gotta clean up ourselves. We, you know, I just, things aren't going well in my life. I'm not the perfect Christian. I'm not the perfect person. I'm not. You can't clean yourself up, guys. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can try, but then just something else will pop up, I promise. I've done it, I've tried. It comes from sitting with him. It's just sitting with him. Just take the, take the stress of what you've been carrying, trying to get rid of the sin, trying to fix yourself, trying to get rid of the anxiety, trying to get rid of the oppression, trying to get rid of all those things. And listen to the invite of the Father that says, turn away from all the things. Just, just come and sit with me. Just come and be with me. Let me be, Dad. Let me be your father. Let me work on your behalf. It's that simple. You don't have to go and sit with him and pray 10 things. 
you can just go and sit and talk to him. You can just have relationship with him. So we turn away from the things, all the things. I promise you that when you turn away from all the great things that you're doing in life and you get to sit with the Father, even more great will happen. You'll see God, you'll see God in greater measure in your life. The busyness of life, turn aside. Amen? Amen. Father, we look to you this morning in absolute awe, in absolute awe. I thank you, Father, that this morning you're breaking bondages off. That there are things in people's lives that are just falling away because of the presence of God, because of the anointing, because of the anointing, because of the anointing. God, you are restoring things that are rightfully, that you have, that are rightfully ours, that you have given to your children things that are rightfully ours. God, I know that you see and that you know and that you hear and that you care and that you are moving on our behalf. So Father, I just declare that whoever is in need of a healing mind, soul, or body, Father, that you are moving in Jesus' name. That you are moving in Jesus' name. Even those that are watching on Facebook Live, I thank you for healing that's flowing now in their lives, that they feel the presence of God, that they feel the love of the Father. That they feel the love of the Father, that they feel complete. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord.